Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome back to the Defiant Spirit and the Defy Your Number Enneagram System. I am Baruch Levy, also known as B, and I am delighted to be sharing with you another podcast together. Um, I've been out of commission a little bit. You can hear my voice. had COVID a couple weeks ago and just have not shaken the the sinus part of it. So uh, forgive the voice, but uh, I do feel like I'm mostly 100%. Hopefully that will come through in the energy, even if the sound isn't uh, the greatest quality. Now, I am recording this and it is Valentine's Day. And I'm a little behind because I was down in Florida with my good friend, Michael Feiner, working on our Wealth360 program. Got back, um, went into COVID. And now that I'm out of it, <clears throat> Here I am um, on the day that normally I would drop the podcast, so I'm going to create it and I'm going to drop it all in one day because I don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And I just love it. And I also love the regularity of having at least once a week offering, if not more. So on this Valentine's Day, I would love to talk about the Enneagram and intimacy, because to me, that is what the Enneagram is all about. Um, I've written a lot about this word intimacy. I think it is one of the most important words in English and one of the most deeply misunderstood. Because if I say intimacy, you probably immediately go to sex. And though that is a form of intimacy, or at least it can be, um, it also can be completely devoid of intimacy. People have sex all the time that are devoid of intimacy. So intimacy is much deeper than sex and sexuality. Many ways to get to this place called intimacy. That happens to be a popular one, um, but there are many different ways. And it doesn't have to be with one other person who we call our life partner or spouse or whatever you want to call that person you're committed to. Because intimacy happens all day, every day, or at least it can, in all kinds of relationships. Because true intimacy comes from this deeper essence of, of the word. And, and my favorite way to translate it is, um, as I've shared, Wayne Dyer's interpretation, which is into me see, to see me, to see and be seen. There is no greater gift that we can give another human being in this lifetime and to be given from another human being than the gift of being seen, of seeing and being seen. To bear witness in the religious and spiritual traditions is the highest order. That's why, at least in a Jewish wedding, you don't need a rabbi. You don't need any paid professional. What you need in order to effectuate a marriage from a Jewish perspective is um, two witnesses, two people to witness your union, sort of like um, a, what's it called um, when you go and you get that stamp? I just blanked on the name of it. The, um, you know, that official stamp, it blanked. It's like you have a little COVID brain. Um, the notary, right? It's having it notarized. And what is that? A, 
an impartial official witness. Well, obviously, true intimacy isn't impartial. It's to be engaged fully and to see and to be seen. You know, when I work with um, people in general, couples in particular, it is one of the ingredients that so often goes unaddressed, unattended. I mean, we think we see the person across from us, but do we really see them? And one of the ways the Enneagram has helped me so much in my life and in guiding other people is it's a roadmap of intimacy because I can't always see another person's roadmap. And what seems like intimacy to me, being seen, to other people may not feel like being seen at all. This was made famous um, in the book, The Five Love Languages. I want to say it was Gottman. I don't think it was John Gottman. I forgot who wrote The Five Love Languages. I'll look it up later. Um, but it's well known. There are basically five fundamental ways, according to this philosophy, psychology, that um, each of us experiences love or experiences intimacy, feeling seen. One of them is acts of service. So when somebody does an act of service for, for somebody else and that's received by that other person, if it's truly received, that is their love language. Um, acts of service, quality of time, trying to remember these off the cuff. So um, spending quality of time with another person, that can be as an act of, of that can be um, an act of, of seeing and feeling seen. Gifts, obviously, and Valentine's Day, gift giving. So giving somebody a gift, um, physical touch. So it's for some people, that is sort of the love language. That's a, a way to feel acknowledged, validated, or seen. Um, and did I say words of affirmation? So words of affirmation, saying words that affirm. Now, it kind of seems obvious until you really start looking at individuals or you start thinking about yourself and you realize some of those, to me, sound like intimacy, sound like the person across from me who gives me that thing or offers me that love language really does see me. But other times, you know what, like some of those do not resonate at all for me. For instance, I struggle deeply with physical gifts and getting them and feeling that and Ariel and the kids know that, you know, if they want to give me that sense of intimacy, there are better ways to get there that I can truly access. Now, I got a lot of work to do, you know, around learning how to receive gifts. That's another issue. But this isn't really about me doing my work. This is about me being seen. And so the people around me know that giving me a present isn't the way to see me. And we'll get to, you know, my love language. But for that, I turn to the Enneagram. Now... If you're looking at this on YouTube, then you'll see a slide. And if not, I'm happy to send you the slide or you can get it over at uh, defiantspirit.org. I'll put it up there on the podcast page. And I put on here the nine Enneagram types and the um, at the top of each type, the way that that type tends to feel intimacy or their love language. And then the bottom of that Enneagram type um, the, the one they struggle or the ones they struggle most with. This is not hard science. I could probably make a case for all five love languages for each type. You're not going to pin me down to, and hold me to these. I just sort of went through and thought about it while sitting and the people I work with, the people I know of these types um, and what came to mind. But I would love to hear from you to make an alternate case for each of these types However, this is just sort of my first blush 
at this on Valentine's Day. So these are nine sort of cheat sheets, if you will, for the Enneagram types in your life. And I'm just going to go around and we'll start with Enneagram 1. So Enneagram 1s, now I do feel pretty confident about this one. Enneagram 1s, the, the reformer, um, sometimes called the perfectionist, just jogging your memory. You can always listen to previous podcasts on each one of these. We now have all nine of these for you. Um, Enneagram 1 are the most detail-oriented, the most perfectionist, the most driven to make the their, their world a perfect place. They have tremendous pressure on them, that mostly that they've put on themselves. And it can be a blessing, and it can also be a curse. And once I learned about the ones in my life, I use the example of my son quite often, that my job is never to give him more words of criticism because he has plenty of those in his head. Ones are constantly critiquing, criticizing themselves and others. So they seem oftentimes when they're reactive, very critical. However, you know, once I realized this, I realized my job is to take away those words of criticism and replace them with words of affirmation, words of of praise, words of validation, validating all the hard work that my ones have done in my life or are doing in their life. And I see what happens to a one with these words of affirmation. You can just watch their tension level drop. And so, of course, they like of course, he likes quality gifts, not quality, that's not it, quality time, spending quality time. That's also a big one for 401. They like that seven freedom. That's why they have a line from one to seven. So they like things that can free them up. So I would say that's probably next. Words of affirmation, though, top of the order for a one, because again, they need to be seen for all that they've done, how hard they try, and also to mitigate, to alleviate some of that um, self-critical chatter that's going on, replacing it with positive affirmative words. And of course, uh, they like gifts, they like acts of service, doing things for them. But if I have to stake just one, I would say give your ones words of affirmation. And I do see ones struggling very much with touch. So ones are part of the body type, but they're the least connected to their body of eight, nine, and one. In that way, they're almost like stiff sometimes. And I see one sort of buckle a little bit under the, the, the touch. And again, that's reactive. They can learn how to be open and effusive and huggy and whatever. But I think that's an area of growth work for a, a one and to be conscious of a one and their boundaries, their space. It's actually true with eight, nine, and one. Eight, nines, and ones, none of them have would have touch, I don't think, as their lead position. All human beings... Not all, but most human beings like to be touched. Um, but we're talking about sort of uh, seeing somebody and giving them what they want, not giving them what we want. And I'll get to eight and how I've sort of struggled with that that touch thing in, at time. But eight, nine, and one are all body types. And so I think they're going to have a more sensitivity, greater sensitivity to touch. Keep that in mind. Enneagram two. Enneagram twos are the helpers. They're the givers. They're the nurturers. They're the lovers. So they're going to be the most ready to go on Valentine's Day. If you got a Valentine's card, present, call, text, stats probably say it was an Enneagram 2. 
that's where I put my money, that they probably are the ones to remember. They probably value this day more than other types um, because they live for relationship. And Valentine's Day, of course, is a is a holiday about relationships. So um, they, let's see here, I put for them, I, I had a tie between acts of service and words of affirmation. And I would say first and foremost is acts of service. Um, acts of service, giving to them. And it's not asking them what they want or need, because then that really undoes, I think, the depth of it for a two. It doesn't feel like intimacy anymore. It's to see them, to see all that they do for you, because I guarantee the two in your life does a tremendous amount for you, probably more than you do for him or her. And to anticipate their needs, because they spend their life anticipating theirs, yours. So if you can anticipate a two's needs to see what they need and then to step in and deliver that, to give them not just the gift, but, um, you know, to fill that in for them, that opportunity, that experience, they really feel validated and seen. Underneath here I have, this is actually wrong. This is from a previous slide. I will nurture, love, and connect. That's what drives a two. I would say they probably struggle most with... Um, receiving gifts, receiving anything. Twos really struggle with receiving. It's the antithesis of giving. And they've told themselves they're here to give. And we've told them they're here to give. The world's told them it's better to give than receive. And so we really have to help them stand guard against refraining from receiving those gifts. It's very important for them to receive gifts. Um, and I would also say for twos, two, three, and four, all revolve around words. Two, three, and four are the heart types. Two, three, and four are the, the emotional types. Now, threes don't always seem like it, but two, three, and four all have words at the very top of their um, love language. So you cannot go wrong with a two, three, and four to give them words of affirmation. Again, deeply important for a one, but for different reasons for two, three, and four, partially because they're so used to giving them to others. Twos are great at giving words of compliment, kindness, affirmation to others, and to give that in return to a two is deeply meaningful. Okay, um, your Enneagram threes, the achiever. These are the doers. These are also very image conscious. All two, three, and four body or heart types are all image conscious. So I would say the threes are the most material oriented of all Enneagram types, threes and sevens probably. It does not mean they're materialistic. It just means they have an appreciation for the material, the touch it and feel it and actualize something. So threes really appreciate fine things. Threes appreciate works of art. Threes appreciate getting the gift. It's tactile. You know, threes struggle with emotion. They go away from emotion. So they're the one of the two, three, and four that doesn't look like the heart type because they, they kind of aren't so in touch with their feelings. And a gift is an indirect pathway into the heart of a three. It can be shallow, of course, like all gifts. Um, and a three can be just as shallow, more shallow than anybody other type. But when they're standing guard, when they're um, doing the work, they really start to use the material world as a pathway to a deeper place, a spiritual. And so they'll truly receive that gift, um, you know, and feel like they're being seen. And again, the other big one for threes for sure are words of affirmation. 
to notice what they're doing, to notice how they've succeeded. Threes spend their life working so hard, probably the hardest worker of the Enneagram. And lots of it goes unseen. And there's even a sub uh, subtype, self-preservation three, that almost prides themselves on how hard they work and not being seen working. And so when we can see them working, I think it really cuts through to their their heart and opens their heart and threes have huge hearts. So um, those are some ways they can do that. And I think threes probably struggle most with um, the um, love language of quality time, spending time, standing still, being still, you know, it's hard to have it both ways. The hardest worker, the, 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 the go-getter of the Enneagram, I would say probably like eight and maybe somewhat like seven have a hard time standing still and being present. And so that's going to be the, the love language that they need to work on the most. Okay, moving over to Enneagram for the individualist, sometimes called the romantic. This is the depth of emotion, depth of everything of the Enneagram. Four and five are sort of the bottom of the Enneagram for this reason. They're depth, four's emotion, five's intellect. Five, fours love it all. Um, I know this because I'm married to a four and I have lots of fours in my life. Words, they are people of words. Twos and fours are people of words, but fours are like poets with words. They just can't get enough. Most fours don't speak in anything less than run-on paragraphs, not sentences. So it's just lots and lots and lots of words. So give them lots and lots and lots of words. I have to work on that. Believe it or not, even though I can just bombard a um, podcast, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I can't match Ariella in the word department and the quality and the depth and the quantity. And so I have to do a better job of getting over those one-syllable sounds. Yes, no, please. Thank you. That's two. Um, so they love words. They love touch. I'd say they're probably the most touchy-feely or one of the most touchy-feely of all types. So really, you know, just making that connection appropriately, making that connection, uh, making the bond and time, quality of time, absolutely, positively, no substitute for quality of time, spending time with a four. So I would say, but above all else, words and really touch for the four. Uh, make them feel seen and fours deeply long to be seen, probably like no other type, because they feel so alone behind their, the borders of their being, alone in these feelings, unable to fully articulate and express them. So if you can help them put language to that love, they will feel validated and seen, right? They are natural poets. Doesn't mean you have to write poetry, but it does mean you have to go into that space of trying to give voice to the ineffable. That's a four word. Okay, moving on. And they struggle, I think, with um, probably gifts. One of the reasons why, it isn't, again, does not mean they don't want gifts. Go buy your four a gift. But you do have to remember, fours are constantly living, feeling like they are not enough and that it's out there somewhere in the world. And if they get that one thing, then they'll have enough. They'll feel the void is filled. And a gift just never is quite enough. It never scratches the itch. So Ariella really talks much more about quality of time and experiences than she does about gifts. And the other fours I know is do as well. 
they, they want that recognition and that validation. And, and in some ways, um, a gift, something tactile or tangible, almost diminishes the ineffable, the inexplicable quality versus the three, which really likes the tactile, touch it and feel it. Okay, moving over to five. Enneagram five is the investigator. They're the thinker. They are the intellect of the Enneagram types. So Enneagram fives are an enigma to a lot of people because if we approach them on our terms, then we don't really see them. Fives hate surprises. So whatever you do, don't surprise them. They're always trying to understand. Well, you can't understand something that you didn't have time to prepare for. So one of the gifts you can give your five is just the gift of, this isn't really one of the five love languages, but the gift of preparation and, you know, knowing it's coming, minimize the unknown. Fives don't tend to like um, touch. They don't necessarily respond to words, probably the least verbal or verbose of the Enneagram types, unlike the four. Four and five are yin-yang in this way. So they're going to want minimized words, probably minimized touch, really sort of a very strong boundary. Ones and fives can look a lot alike in this way. Clear boundaries and borders because fives live with this constant feeling that they're almost being depleted, especially when it comes to holidays like Valentine's Day, especially when it comes to things like emotion. And so they'll withdraw behind sort of a a boundary or even a barrier if they feel threatened or reactive. So giving them that space, not encroaching. Again, they may very well be responsive and healthy and invite you across, but you need to respect that space. Um, so what do they like? I've seen it. Fives like, they like tangible gifts um, as long as they're sensible gifts. I don't think they would like frivolous gifts. Threes might like extravagant, extravagant gifts, but I would think, <coughs> excuse me, I would say fives probably like practical gifts, probably like a subscription to Time Magazine or whatever their media and medium of choices to fill their brain. They might like the, um, you know, the, I don't know, the hair trimmer. For, for a Father's Day, or I guess Valentine's Day, or they might like something practical and tangible and useful in a way that other types may look at that like you don't see me. Does not mean they don't have a romantic streak. Sexual fives can <clears throat> have a deep romantic streak. Sorry, just a little coughing covid Thing. So um, fives, um, however, are the most practical and tangible tactile of the of the Enneagram. So just consider, you know, giving them what they want. I, I know a five who I think would love a Home Depot gift certificate. That's his jam. Makes him feel seen when I give him one of those. So um, so fives also probably acts of service. They're, they're um, you know, sort of show me the money kind of people. Like, I want to see it. And that's where five and eight are very similar. We have a line that we share. So really, the proof is in the pudding kind of a thing. And just do it. Don't ask. Just do something for your five. 
an act of service will go a long way with the five. And again, they have some work to do around um, becoming more verbose, using more words, allowing more touch, and so forth. Okay, Enneagram 6, love languages. This one was probably the hardest for me. I would say words of affirmation. You know, sixes are the most... What's the word I'm looking for? When, when, when I get an inquiry about a coaching session, I know it's a six when they ask me like 60,000 questions and 59,000 of them are repetitive because they use words as sort of like a, the way a bat uses sonar, bouncing it off things to navigate. So sixes tend to be verbal. Um, they tend to engage with words. And so words of affirmation, I think, would go a long way to quelling fears. Remember, five, six, and seven are the head types. They're, they're, they grapple with, um, with anxiety and fear. Two, three, and four grapple with sadness and shame. And we'll get to eight, nine, and one. So for the anxiety or fear types, especially six, any way you can bring down their fear. So words of affirmation, I would even nuance this. Words of security and instilling confidence. Um, I think that would be well received by a six. Touch, I imagine, I, I just can't see sixes not wanting that connection. You know, sixes always feel, dis, they're always afraid of being disconnected from others, from the community, being sort of abandoned or um, kicked out, left out, and a sense of belonging. So again, that appropriate touch to bring them into your space, to reassure them, to make the connection. But again, I see all of them, acts of service, show there another show me kind of don't tell me. So I qualify the words a little bit. They, they want consistency. They want to see the same um, response from you over and over again. So that is an act of love for a six. Just be consistent and um, give them whatever you give them. Make sure you're trying to instill security and confidence and strength. And they need to work on, I think, time, um, being, being present to what is. You know, they can really get caught in past yes, but, and playing out worst case scenarios of what happened in the past or anticipating the worst case scenarios of the future. So I think sixes have a lot of work to do around being present, as do sevens. So that takes us into seven. Um, the optimist, the enthusiast, the visionary, called different things in different systems. This one was, for me, a toss-up between quality of time because sixes love experience. They, they live for experience. They're the most experiential of all types. And so giving them unique experiences, um, but you know, your presence, your quality of time, but it might be buying them a white water rafting trip for them, you know, to go on by themselves. I don't know, that might make them feel seen. So it isn't just about you going with them, no offense, it's about the experience. However, they tend to be social, the most social of the Enneagram types, so they probably want you to join them in the raft. And um, that one line, that line between one and seven, that's where ones go to really get that freedom. And so I see ones looking a lot like sevens, wanting that experience. So coming back to ones, you know, you might want to give them a trip. I know my son perks up when he goes on a trip. So quality of time, just experiencing life with them, taking them to a new, anything new for sevens is 
a feeling of being seen, like you know them. You don't want to take them to the same old, same old. Sixes like repetitive. Sixes like that certainty. Fives might like it. They don't like new. Sevens like new. They're always anticipating what's next. Twos and sevens look a lot alike. That's why they're across from each other. They're both always looking forward. But twos are looking at other people's emotions and needs. Sevens are looking at their own needs and trying to fill that with, you know, experience. So sevens, try and get ahead of them and give them an experience, a concert, whatever it might be you think that they would anticipate and want to go to. Um, and the other one is just gifts. I'd say seven and three are probably the most materialistic of all the types. Not a bad thing. Sevens like nice things. They like, they tend to drive nicer cars. I bet if you did a study, more sevens are driving sports cars than, except for threes, sevens and threes than any other type. Maybe sevens and threes account for like 50% of all sports cars or certain types of cars. Like sevens, I could see probably like, you know, a Tesla because... I don't know about Tesla. I wonder if I'd like to hear from sevens. That might challenge the limits of freedom because, you know, I think about right now, we haven't solved that problem of of unplugging and being able to go as far as you want. So maybe that's more of a three thing. But sevens do like nice things. So gifts, you don't have to buy them a Tesla or a BMW, but quality experience and quality gifts probably go a long ways with the seven. And last or no, let's and the struggle of a seven for sure is quality of time. They, it's the same challenge. I, I just put it, you know, twice because they'll want you to give them quality of time. They just may have a hard time sort of reciprocating that or being present to you. And and I hear this with people who are in relationship with sevens where it sometimes feel like they'll give them the gift of time and experience, but the seven might not fully be present. And so that's really on the seven to grapple with being present in those experiences to other people. Um, maybe another one. No, let's leave it at that. Um, wrapping it up, Enneagram eight and nine. So we're now in the body triad, the gut triad, eight, nine, and one are all gut types. We talked about one briefly. Let's talk about eight, eight, the challenger. I know this one. Well, I react and respond like a challenger. So we, I think value acts of service. We are the show me, don't tell me people. Of the Enneagram, fives do that, threes do that, eights are that. So I I just need to be shown words of affirmation are really hard for me to receive. Um, I, I want to be able to feel it more. It's just almost, it's harder. It's just harder for me to process that. And um, the other one that I really struggle with probably are actually physical gifts. I don't know if that's just me or if that's an eight thing, but I think it's, um, it doesn't make me feel in control. So I think anything you can give to an eight to alleviate that feeling of out of control. And if you give me quality time of your presence, right, I feel like, okay, you know, that that's important. And acts of service, doing something for me, taking something off my plate. Eight spend their lives trying to do for others. Doesn't mean we're magnanimous on t- many ways we do that to control the situation or control others so when somebody can take that off of our plate it feels fantastic we're also pretty good at giving words of affirmation to others we just don't always want to receive them for ourselves um, physical touch i think is for the eight is either way i mean i can take it or almost leave it 
it's not the most important thing, but I also don't kind of recoil or tense up around it like maybe a, a one would, unless somebody's pushing across my boundaries. You know, if somebody wants to hug me and it's an appropriate hug, that's fine. But, you know, like when I was a rabbi and I'd have random strangers wanting to hug me um, and like, you know, the long embrace or um, the kiss on the cheek that I don't want because I don't know you. Like that's a, that's a, I mean, that's true for lots of types, but for an eight, there's a boundary issue. And I think that's true for eight, nine, and one. We have very strong boundaries and you just have to respect those boundaries and feel it out. But with an eight, you'll know because they'll basically put a hand up. So um, nine, last but not least, let's go to the peacemaker, the kindest, the easiest type on the Enneagram. Nines love to give like twos. Um, however, it doesn't come quite as naturally as twos. And sometimes nines will give even if they don't want to. Or twos don't even know they don't want to. They just go into gift giving mode. So um, nines are very good probably on Valentine's Day. Probably good at giving gifts. And probably um, if you're going to give them a gift... To give them some time, to quality of time, to be present with them. I see this with my, the nines in my life, especially my daughter. She really perks up around just being given quality of time, especially by her mother, but by anybody. And, and gifts, physical gifts. I, I think that it's something she can, tact, it's tactile. She can touch it. She can make it her own. It's sort of hers. It's hers. Because, you know, nines can lose themselves and give away themselves. That's that time piece. They give away too much of themselves. Or they can give away their things or not really make their, stake their claim on things. And so that that tactile, like it's my kind of gift thing, I think really speaks to a nine. But I do think um, being present with them and giving to them just, you know, that, that as a gift. I think they struggle with touch. I do see nines being a little more like ones, a little more, not quite as in touch with their body. And so when other people force their way across that boundary, especially for nines, because they don't have that ability to put up the, you know, stay back message, um, that can be a little much. So be mindful of that. And words, I don't think they resonate with words nearly as much as a one, and certainly not like the hard types. And you can really feel the difference between a nine and a two, I think, around their use of words, around their receiving words. Two's currency is words. And for nines, the currency is more of an action. Again, they also are one of the least active types at times when they're in conflict. And so um, when you can give them something to remedy that conflict, do something to take away some conflict, do something to take away um, something difficult in their life, can be a godsend to a nine. So quality of time and acts of service. All five of these are love language for all of us. We just rank order them. Maybe we rank order them at different times in our lives. Maybe we rank order them when we're in different places, you know, in our day, reactive versus responsive. Remember, you are all nine of these Enneagram types. They're all nine in you. You've learned how to kind of rank order them from top to bottom. If you do an Enneagram assessment with me, we'll get you a formal test back and results with all nine types and how you rank order them. But you can also figure out your Enneagram type or explore all nine types in the free ebook that I've created. Jump over to um, defiantspirit.org 
and you will find the complimentary ebook called Nine Enneagram Types Walk Into a Bar. And you go through that and you just read. I think it's fun. I think it's engaging. And you can go through and figure out all nine of your types. And remember, you have also all nine of these, sorry, all five of these love languages in you. And so does the person across from you. And the point isn't to pigeonhole them and to say, this is yours and this is the one you're not good at. No, it's for you to reorient yourself towards them on this Valentine's Day and every day to see them, not to just see them physically, but to see them at a deeper level, to not give them a present that you want to give them. That's not a present. That's something else to give them the present that they truly want and need. And ultimately what they need, what I need, what you need, what we all need is to see and to be seen. I will see you or I will talk to you on the next Defiant Spirit podcast. Until then, you know what to do. Defy your number and live your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your Defiant Spirit. Thank you.